This is Can I Play a Play. I always like to start with Praise Master G, and that particular song sounds so passionate, so dramatic. But he's just giving props to Big Boy upstairs because, you know, without him, we wouldn't be able to come here today and do what we do. At least that's our belief in any way. And with that being said, let me holler at my esteemed colleague. Who is that? Who would that be, your esteemed colleague, the one with the name after Terrible hurricane. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's not I, right. I, I was going to say the one with all the hot air, but I'm not going to say yeah. that because oh, no, that air. wouldn't have been nice. No, it wouldn't have been nice. It's well, not a happy thing over here. Although we ducked it where we are, God, thank God we got by. We had no problems. But north of us in Florida, it's all bad. It's all bad. Feel very terrible for those people. But down here, Boca Raton, Coconut Creek, Miami. We breathed a sigh of relief. I think because you guys had the same name, you just got a pass. I think that was it. I think, you know, all the rest of the guys named Matthew North of here didn't get a break. <laughs> I was praying out there. I said, look, just, just go east just a little bit. Please just go east. And it did. It jogged right at the end of Andros Island in the Bahamas. It went east about 25 to 30 miles, and that made all the difference. Saved ours, us. Oh man, that's fantastic. But yes, definitely, we send our prayers out to all the people that suffered. Absolutely, as a result of that. Yes, definitely. Okay, Matthew, tell me. I know we have an exciting show lined up today, and I know we're talking about yes, a we very do. serious, very serious um, subject. One subject, that, yeah. Uh, many, many people take too, too, too lightly. So, with that being said. Introduce our guest. Well, our guest is Alexis Nicole White. Alexis, you with us? Yes, I am here. Hello, everyone. Welcome. We're glad to have you. Thanks for joining us. Alexis, Hello. I'm going to introduce you. I'm going to read a little bit about you, and then uh, Lamont and I have a whole bunch of questions to ask you. So okay. let me let me just introduce you, and then we'll go. Alexis Nicole White is an entrepreneur, an author, and an inspirational speaker. As a graduate of Purdue University, Alexis dreamed of climbing the corporate ladder. However, life and relationship experiences have birthed another passion in Alexis. Today, this writer and speaker is passionate about raising awareness about emotional abuse in relationships. Her memoir, The Covered, highlights her journey with experiencing emotional abuse and how she survived and thrived. Her goal is to help other women, young and old, do the same, survive and thrive. Alexis, thank you for being with us. We appreciate having you, and we we do think that this is a truly an important issue, and uh, we have a lot of questions, so I just want to thank you for being here, and um, 
that's my first thing I want to say. Thank you for being here. Okay. Well, th- thank you I so want, much for having want... me. Go ahead, Lamar. I, I, hear, I hear echo in the phone, but I was going to ask, um, could I ask the first question? Go ahead. Uh, Ms. White, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, I'm just waiting oh, okay. for your question. Oh, okay. Well, here it is. Here it is. Hold on. Here it comes. (laughs) I want to start off what exactly is emotional abuse before we get into all the different types of it. Can we just start right there? What exactly is it? I know what it is, but I want you to explain it to the listeners. Alexis, um, if you're on a speakerphone, could you um, cut that off and and come on the regular phone, please? That would probably help. Uh, Is this better? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That's better. I was yeah, I wasn't on the speakerphone but I wasn't sure. But um emotional abuse is one of those things that is very hard to really capture as it it has so many different ways that or triggers that can help influence a person to be emotionally abused. What I mean by that is anything that creates a fear and anxiety, a form of a chronic depression, which is anything that lasts longer than thirty days that can create also a post-traumatic stressful situation for someone can be considered to be emotionally abusive. In that same sentiment, what also can trigger that is also other forms of abuse that people typically view as being standalone abuses, meaning financially abused of people, um, sexually abusive people, um, individuals who have experienced verbal abuse. All of those things are standalone cases. However, they do affect you emotionally, and they cause you to have long-term effects and issues in your life if you're not careful. Well, that's a good, that's a good uh, starting definition for us. I think, uh, I think a lot of times people in relationships get used to bad treatment and don't exactly name it for what it is. And I mm-hmm. think then they tolerate quite a bit more than they should. Actually, I don't think anybody should tolerate any abuse, but well, sometimes hap- we get into well, that. What, well, what happens when that abuse becomes their normal? I mean, that's what they're used to. That's all they've known. Exactly, and that, that 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 is the case with most people. I mean, let's be honest. If you grow up in a household where your parents are verbally abusive to one another or to you, you perceive that to be normal, so you go in a world... Yeah. And you think that you can talk to people crazy, and because nobody checks you about it, you get away with it. So you really mm-hmm. get the understanding that this is what's normal, and that's not what's normal. So tell us, uh, what, what was it that inspired you to write this book? For me, it was just dealing with situations in my life where I found myself being on the defense about a lot of things that I shouldn't have to have been on the defense about. Um, And it was really about me just sharing my story because I know that I am not the only person who's dealt with these things and that I know that there are other people who are just like me who are dealing with these situations who need somebody to even relate to so they can even say, you know what, wow, well, if Alexis did it, I know I can do it. And you mean to tell me all I have to do is go get some help? Yes, all you have to do is go get some help. But that's a stigma that most of us are afraid to break because we don't think that we have a problem. Or we look at people who have a problem and say, oh, you have a problem. Newsflash, we all have problems. We all have issues. But what we should do is when we acknowledge what ours are, we should try to do some correction 
and some damage control because it is going to be a learning work in progress for the rest of your life, how you go through this and deal with your life and the people in it. What would you say to people that are uh, ashamed to even discuss their issues with somebody else? You know what? We have to cast away any shame. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody's got something to be ashamed of. Just because my issues are more visible than others doesn't mean I have a right to be more ashamed than anyone else, you know? Um, some people who can hide their issues are the ones who really need to be more ashamed than others, but we need to dispel this idea of what shame is. Everybody's got something to be ashamed of. So love yourself a little bit more to say, you know what, I recognize that this is a problem that I have. This is something I've been struggling with, I've been dealing with. It is okay to get help, and because I love me enough, I'm going to get the help that I need so that I can be a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, a better sister, a better friend, whatever it is that you do with your life. Everyone around you can see the joy when you have it, the, the, the bright light around you, the, the glory that's around you. Likewise, when you're in a dark funk that cloud follows you everywhere, and nobody wants to be around you because you're toxic. And a lot of times you don't even see the toxicity coming out of you, but others do, you know. So it's very important that we just put take care of our mental health and take care of our insides like we're taking care of our outside. Mm-hmm. Well, how how did you come to this in terms of your own personal experience? Because it sounds like, you're writing Matthew, about you something, Matthew. You can't yes. ask her what man did it. No, I, I you can't. have to answer. No, I can answer that question. It wasn't a specific man. <laughs> it, for me, for me, you know, I don't take offense to that because that's what most people think. Uh, but I could just be honest and I can be transparent. It wasn't so much as one man; it was several men. And what I mean by that was. Until I started doing research, until I started talking to other women who were like me and I started exposing myself to the facts and educating myself about emotional abuse, I did not realize that I was a part of 70% of women that between the ages of 16 and 24 will become a victim of some type of abuse that falls underneath the realm of emotional abuse. Mm. I fell in that category at 24, Okay. Now, I'm sure if I dig into my past a little bit more, I could probably say, you know, now that I know, well, that was an emotional abusive person. And But I'm not. I'm going to start with my adult life and say I know for a fact I became a part of the statistic that I didn't even knew existed. You understand what I'm saying? Because of that, I allowed one man to do things to me that I should not have allowed and tolerated, and I allowed that to happen. And from every relationship since then, I allowed things to happen that were not supposed to happen and should not have happened. Do I recognize that? Absolutely. And that's why I'm spending my time to educate people, men and women, but specifically to my sisters. I'm trying to educate them that, you know, we don't have to be so anxious to just have a man that you're tolerating anything from him. The quality of your relationship is far more important than the frequency of the relationship or how many men you've had, you know, to propose to you and all of this, that, and that. If their character is garbage and the quality of the relationship is garbage, it's okay to be by yourself and to be in a relationship with someone who's not going to honor and be committed to you the way that you deserve that honor and that level of commitment. I think that's a very important statement that you just made, that uh, people 
need to think of themselves, especially women, because I think it, it does happen to men, but not quite as often. And it needs to hear from other women that you don't deserve it and you shouldn't accept it. That's a really important message. Well, let me ask a question here because you both said, uh, well, I heard Alexis speaking from a woman about women, and you said it could happen to men too. But my Mm -hmm. question is, would this be because uh, the females and the males are still dating and looking for uh, going after the same type of people, the same you know, type characteristics. I mean, you know, like some men like a certain woman with a certain body type, and they just date the same type of women. And so if you date the same type of people, and that's what your radar is honed in on, don't it seem like you'd get the same results? I mean, the people have different names, but you're still going after the same type people. Well, Lamont, the issue is is that we have seeds planted to us, in us, in our lives from childhood on up. What typically happens, and I used to think that it was garbage. You know, people think, you, you you get what you attract. I'm not intentionally attracting anything. I am attracted to what I am attracted to, but am I attracting them to me? No. You see what I'm saying? Now, what may be in that person that attracts me to them is some quality, some characteristic, something that I've learned to accept or learned to like or learned to do anything with has come upon me. What I mean by that is, for example, I didn't realize until probably after I wrote the book, I'm attracted to emotionally unavailable men. Now, mm. the question was, where did that come from? My father. My father is a, is, is, is a great person, but when it comes to offering the emotional connection that a daughter and her father need, it was always a work in progress and still is to this day. Because I never had the example of how a man should really treat a woman from that perspective, I've always been attracted to people who could provide and who are providers, but they're not emotionally available. So as mm-hmm. long as you're throwing money to cure a problem, whatever problem it is, you know, or taking care of it or you're treating me well and we're doing what we need to do, I was okay. Not knowing that was the wrong way to be. That's the wrong way to think. I deserve someone who's going to be a provider and emotionally available and responsive and engaging and, you know, all of those different things. So my point in saying that is you're absolutely correct, and we need to be honest and understand what is it that we like in the people that we are meeting, that we are becoming attracted to, not the people who you're attracting, because you can just meet people by osmosis, and they could just be a really great person or a really bad person. But the question is, what is it about the people that we are attracted to? That makes sense to you, Lamont. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it does, I, I think it was know, a good I, answer. It, absolutely, because I have friends that go out and, and they look for the same type of women, and they themselves don't even realize that they, they, they got the same shit, man. They just got they just got a different name, you know, and then they get the same results. You know, I'm like, it's kind of funny to me. I mean, what did you do different? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just what we're attracted to. And until we really get real, and this is why I'm a huge proponent of people going to counseling and to going to psychologists and psychotherapists, even though it's not easily accessible because of costs and insurance and all the technicalities, I am a huge proponent of individuals utilizing the resources that are there to get the help that you need. It may not have, it may not seem like it has to be a, that dire of a situation, 
But when you find yourself being in the same position over and over again, there mm-hmm. is something there that needs to be addressed. And you may not have the power, I may not have the power, but there is licensed professionals out there who do have the power to tap into you, to understand you, and they're not there to judge you. They're not there to be able to assess a stigma on you or a stereotype and say you're all like all black men or you're just like every black woman or you're just like every white. That's not it at all. You see what I'm saying? We have learned some bad behavior patterns. We have mimicked it. Our culture is, is, is full of it. You know, even if you look at the election and what's going on, the things that are being said are being viewed as appropriate. And it's not appropriate. It is not okay. But because we see that on TV, we are like, okay, that's the way to treat a woman. That's the way to talk about a woman. That's the way to make people feel. No. You understand what I'm saying? So we have to undo a lot of bad teaching, a lot of bad ideas, and a lot of bad concepts that have been conveyed to us over the years in order for us to be effective in who we are supposed to be. Wow. Well said. Well said. I, I just I don't think understand. It's, I think it's, you don't understand what? How we're going to assassinate society at large because a lot of those behaviors, whew, man, they're running rampant. And they've definitely <laughs> drilled into you by the media daily. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we can't assassinate it, but we can all make the choice to change, and the change starts with us. And if I make the choice to change and you make the choice to change, then the people around us are going to make the choice to change because, remember, they're going to see it. You know what I mean? You can always tell the person by their fruit. Now, if you want to make a change, then guess what? Your fruit are going to show that you are making a change. You understand? So we have to make the choice to say no. I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm not going to behave like this. I'm not perpetuating the the stereotypes, whatever it is that we choose to not do. Make the choice today and start today right now. You know, I, I think it's that we have to start with ourselves. And, and then the second thing I think we can do, and I would assume you would agree with this, Alexis, is then we speak up when we see it about other people. We speak up when we see it going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's easier for us to look at other people and point the finger and say, shame on you. You ought to be sad. You know, you need help. You know, it's easier for us to diffuse the situation from us and to put it on others. So what we need to do, if we want to help others become their best selves, we have to work on becoming our best selves first. And we can use our stories and our testimony as proof this is who mm-hmm. I was, but this is who I am. And I can show you it's not going to be beautiful. It's not going to be easy. But what we need to do is work through this to become better people. Once you know better, you do better. And you actually have a responsibility to become better. Don't just say, I knew better, but I just didn't choose better choices. Because now, you know, God forbid, we all go home to glory tomorrow. And, you know, he says, well, you knew better. Why didn't you choose better? You got to be accountable for that, you know? So we need to really make better choices and make a habit to be better people consistently every day. Well, I think that it would be a good idea if we could, um, even though Lamont's going to try to stop me on this kind of stuff here because he's nervous, but um, I'm kidding. So we need some more examples of what is emotional abuse so that our listeners can say, yeah, that, that applies to me or uh, get some ideas. So can you help us with that? Absolutely. 
The first sign that I will always tell people to look for is the simple, blatant, but most overlooked, most ignored feeling. That is the feeling of fear. The reason why I'm I'm starting with fear is because fear will drive all different types of emotions in you. Mm -hmm. It will cause, if if you're not comfortable to come around a person, to be yourself, what I mean by that is, I don't care, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not the most received person 99% of the time because people don't really understand my mind, my my thinking pattern. So, you know, I'm often perceived as being critical. When I'm not, I'm just thinking about an alternative solution to help somebody, you know, whatever. So I understand that when I come across someone and I meet them, you know, they may be misinformed about who I am and where I'm coming from, and they may not like me. But the thing is that I love me so much that I don't care if you don't like me. Now, the problem would be is if I come around, you have a fear about who I am. You see what I'm saying? And you, you get that anxiety, like, here she comes. Well, let me do this because I don't want her to feel this way. Or let me not say this because I don't want to upset her. Anytime you start to have that fear building up to where you are finding yourself that uncomfortable with being around somebody, that is a problem. The second thing, if they're always saying things to humiliate you, to coerce you, to manipulate you, to shame you, to ridicule you, to condemn you, controlling factors, okay? Because that's the Uh root of what emotional abuse is. Any type of abuse is is an imbalance of power, okay? So if people are creating things to put a fear in you, to create a balance of power that they may perceive as not being there. That's a clear indicator that you are in an abusive situation mm-hmm. and it's time to leave. I think that's a really good uh, observation because it, it really goes to the heart of it. If, if you find yourself consistently afraid of someone you're in a relationship, now you said then it's time to leave, and that could be very threatening in and of itself, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And make no mistake, if everyone has the option to make something as easy as a choice, guess what? We will all be millionaires. We will all be healthy. Our children will be healthy. You know, we will live in the best of the best and have the best of the best. But it's not as easy as a choice. So what I have understood about life and what I try to help others understand is that everything has to run its course. What I mean by that is if you recognize that you are in an abusive situation to whatever level, if you're being financially abused, if you're being verbally abused, if you're being um, domestic violently abused, whatever it is that's going on in your life. Don't forget sexually abused. That's the big thing. Sexually abused, absolutely. Whatever, whatever, Whatever it is, absolutely. Sexually abused, molested, whatever it is, make a plan of escape. Make an action plan. And what I mean by that is, actually prepare to leave. Some people can't just say, you know what, you hit me for the last time today and I'm gone. Mind you, your abuser knows you. They've alienated you. They've controlled you. They got all the money tied up. They've done everything that they can to control you. Okay? Mm -hmm. So what you need to do is start to slowly but surely develop contacts and resources, build up your bank account, get your own private bank savings somewhere that they don't know about, hide it as best as you can. Make a plan of action so that when you meet your day where you're finally able to get the strength to leave, you are well able to do so without turning around and without looking back. 
Uh, Matthew, Alexis, I think we have another call. I want to jump in. Let me see who we have. Okay. I know a little something about sexual abuse. My company published uh, Initial Shock, the Bridget Harris story. Um, that was one of the reasons I had asked earlier about, you know, uh, people being shamed and not uh, shamed into not talking about their situation. And uh, when mm-hmm. they've been dealing with this uh, for years, uh, it's not that easy to walk away, especially when family members around you know something like this type of abuse is going on and you don't mm-hmm. have that support mechanism to help you out of that because mm-hmm. they're they're almost an enabler because they know about it but not doing nothing about it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, they are enablers. They are enablers. And I actually had an interview the other day with a lady who is a part of the disabled community, and we were talking about this as well. How do you leave when your abuser are your relatives? You see what I'm saying? It, it's often very challenging to make a plan and say, you know what, I choose better, so I'm going to leave. But what you have to do, again, is to start building that social network. The beauty about today as opposed to 30 years ago is that we have the Internet. And we need to start taking advantage of the resources that the Internet provides because there are mm-hmm. a lot of um, numbers, resources, shelters, you can get any information that you want if you look for it. And mind you, you have to be very, you know, calculating in how you obtain that information. But I would strongly recommend to start making connections with individuals who are there ready and prepared to help you. That way they can serve as a guide. That way you have a record or paper trail that you're starting to develop with other uh, organizations. Um, so in the event that things take a turn, um, someone is aware of what's going on, and they can help you. Now, oftentimes people don't want to speak up, you know, because they're like, oh, nobody's going to believe me anyway. But you need to create a paper trail of what's going on and let others know that you can trust and rely in, even if, you know, make sure that they have confidentiality, whatever it is that you feel more comfortable with. But start to build up that support system. Because maybe it's the word they can offer to you that makes you feel more comfortable with making that final decision to walk away and never look back. Now, how, what, what uh, relationship would you say that self-esteem has to play in all of this, Alexis? Self-esteem has to play into you and your relationship with you. The reason why I say that is because, again, we're talking about those seeds that have been planted. Now, when you are a person who has been a victim of emotional abuse, and mind you, when I'm saying emotional abuse, I'm referring to any form of abuse, financial, domestic, sexual, verbal, Mm -hmm. psychological, whatever abuse. I'm I'm just saying emotional abuse as a a broad spectrum. When you are a victim of that, it affects your self-esteem, your self-concept, and your self-worth. So I don't expect for you to have high regards for who you are, because I expect for you to be torn down because this has bothered you. This has weighed you down. This has convicted you. This is, you know, because, mind you, you know the difference between right or wrong, but it has been so heavy on you that it has beat you up and tore you down. But 
every day when you wake up, you have to find the strength to say, you know what, I still love you inside of. And build that relationship with you so that as you start to build that relationship, your confidence starts to come up. You feel a little bit more better about yourself. Mm -hmm. You're more eager and excited to go on your journey and self-discovery and recovery. Your self-concept starts to go up. Your self-awareness starts to go up. And then you find Mm -hmm. yourself being full of self-love to the point to where you're not so eager to be with someone who's going to talk to you nasty because that's that's something that you don't tolerate anymore or someone who's going to um, violate your boundaries sexually because you don't tolerate that anymore. So that relationship, in my opinion, starts with you. And a lot of us think we have that relationship mastered, and we really don't. So you you reach out to women in particular, women in relationships, but also women who are beginning relationships, right, meaning mm-hmm. women who are dating, looking for a relationship. Um, what mm-hmm. sort of suggestions do you have to the, to the single women who are just, you know, out there beginning to date men or have been dating and haven't found the right guy yet? Um, you have some thoughts and some ideas about that, right? Well, absolutely. I always encourage my women to follow your inner voice. It sounds corny, but guess what? We are all gifted with this spirit of women intuition, and it's usually right 99.99% of the time. But what we do wrong is that we ignore it. We see signs. We hear things. We see things. We feel ways that we can't really understand because that's that intuition, that's that voice, that's the spirit, whatever you want to refer to, pulling you to pay attention to something. And we ignore it because we think that we're overthinking. We, you know, it wasn't what we thought or I don't know why I thought. No, you need to pay attention to that because there's something in you telling you and showing you that this person is not who or who they say they are and what they say they can do for whatever reason. And we need to be more mindful of that. I got a question. Mm-hmm. What happens when these women bring old baggage to the relationship and they have these unreal expectations of these guys and expect a guy to jump the hoop, you know, for maybe ten, well, that's unreasonable, for maybe two years because of something that she's experienced in her past? I know it sounds harsh, but I'm just going to say what it is because I wouldn't be me if I didn't. You deserve to be by yourself. And the reason why I say that is, I believe that everyone is deserving of a healthy relationship, but you can't bring your past garbage into a relationship creating a hostile environment for your mate because you haven't dealt with the things that you've been through. We need to get serious, again, about our emotional health and do what we need to do. If you've been through a relationship that had you beat up, dogged out, run down, looking old around the eyes because you've been up crying all night, whatever it is that you've been through, you need to give yourself not only the time that you need to heal and to process, but you really need to seek professional help. And I know that people get offended when you say that, but I guarantee you if you go speak to somebody about this relationship, you can unpack that baggage on the somebody that you're paying to pack, unpack that baggage to, and you can hear yourself speak, and you can have revelation aha moments to where you can be a better woman. So when you're in that relationship, you're not punishing someone for someone else's garbage 
and you're not convoluting the relationship. You're not making it hostile and difficult because typically, if we're using the example that you gave, the man really wants to be with you, but you're making it too doggone hard and too complex. Now, I'm not saying to make it easy, but what I am suggesting is that you be fair, and that's the fine line that people, people, especially my women who, you know, they listen to all this relationship advice and things like that, and they think that those things are parameters for success, and they're not. (laughs) You know what I mean? That may work for somebody else, but that's not going to work for you. You know, and you have to be able to understand that. So I would just say that if a women, you can hate me now, but you'll thank me later. If you're not really ready to move on to where you can give someone a fair chance to be in your life without convoluting their relationship, again, making it hostile and toxic and becoming too difficult for them to want to be bothered with you, if you can't be ready that like that, then you need to be by yourself until you're ready to be like that. I agree. So, ladies, you heard that kick rocks. I'm riding, I'm riding, for, I'm, I'm riding, I'm riding for the guys today. It's a, it's a lot of guys out there that's good men, you know, that really work hard, that really, you know, try hard, and and because of some circumstances outside they control, you know, they they end up getting dogged out because they can't um, compete or they don't do something like the last guy did or some old crazy mess. And to me, that's another form of. Um, Emotional abuse because his heart is there, but but his head is getting beat up. Well, there's a, let me speak to the other side of that for a second here, and let's say that you know no, you I gotta agree ride with for the guys too. No, you got to ride I, for the guys I, too. We got Alexis ride for the females. I, I agree with Alexis, <laughs> but we got to be fair here based on something she said. And there's some guys out there who are attracted to women who won't give them everything that they need. And they keep going mm-hmm. back and going back, and they set themselves up for this. And so I agree with what Alexis just said is, you know, if you're in that situation is going on for a year or two and you can't get across that gap and it's important to you, both of you go together and find a couples counselor and talk about it and look and see what needs to be paid attention to because here's a woman maybe who's holding on to old baggage, but there's probably a man there too who's got some old baggage too and thinks he doesn't deserve 100%. And so he Absolutely. keeps hanging on. He mm-hmm. keeps hanging on to what needs to be let go of or fixed, one of the two. Exactly. Exactly. And I absolutely agree. And, again, people, when I say go to counseling, I'm not a licensed counselor, so I don't get paid for you coming to me, okay? I'm telling you what I know to be effective is that if you go to someone that can listen with an objective and a subjective ear, they can hear things that you can't hear because we're so busy talking and maybe sometimes half listening, active listening, I'm an active listener, so I know I hear things and then my radar starts going off. And sometimes I'm not waiting to hear what I need to hear because I've heard it already. You understand? But there's somebody who's listening. They're going to take notes and they're going to say, okay, when you say this, what do you mean? I heard you say this. Am I correct? How does this make you feel? How would this help you? You understand? They have certain questions that they know how to ask to make you you hear what is being said and to process it differently and to also explain where you're coming from. Because honestly, in most communication, guess what happens? I think I know what you're talking about, but you can be creating a whole new idea in your head 
that I think I know what you're talking about, but you're talking about something mm-hmm. totally different that I have no knowledge mm-hmm. of. So mm-hmm. let, let's not frown upon going to get counseling because that is the way for us to have someone personal be invited into our business that can help us build a better, stronger foundation so that we can have that marriage that lasts 30 years and 50 years or whatever it is and not just three months because <laughs> that's what's happening. Well, I think that's good good uh, advice. And I think that, um, you know, when it comes to relationship, it's always interesting to me, and I've said this on the show before um, to, with other guests, in, in most cases we get more training to get our driver's license than we do to get our marriage license. Mm-hmm. And yet marriage is a lot more difficult in relationship. Mm-hmm. Is. And as you said, communication is crucial, and it takes two people to communicate well and who are sensitive to each other. And I think it's really important. One of the reasons I was happy we were talking about emotional abuse today is we are having a, a debate tonight. Um, not Well, we're going to watch a debate. And there's a no, person we'll in this. <laughs> we'll be having it on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, there's a person in this, in this debate, Donald Trump, who is, incredibly abusive in the way he talks about women. And mm-hmm. I, I find it enormously offensive and destructive. And I'll tell you what's really disturbing to me about it, and I'm interested in your opinion, Alexis, and that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. he's got a lot of people who are still wanting to vote for him. That's mm-hmm. what frightens me, is that he's mm-hmm. legitimizing, objectivizing, putting women down, treating them like second-class people, even mm-hmm. – Violence against them sexually And I'm just wondering You know what you have to say about all that Since you're so sensitive to this subject Well I am first and foremost Very appalled and offended I am disappointed I grew up um, watching Donald Trump On The Apprentice And I know that that's not a correlation to who he is But from that I gathered ideas about him um, And I thought that he was a prominent Respectable person Hearing him speak disappoints me because my question is, how did a person like this get so far in life to where they believe that this is okay? Mm. I'm disappointed because when I hear him, I hear racism. I hear a lot Mm -hmm. of classism. I hear a lot of sexism. I Mm -hmm. hear from him, and this may be textbook, but he's a narcissistic person who has a – you know, inflated sense of self where he loses empathy for others. What bothers me is, as anyone else listening, because one of the things I had to learn was when I look back over my life and the different relationships, all of the signs were there, but remember what I told you, I ignored them. So my question is, for those that he's making these abusive statements towards that are disrespectful, disparaging, um, Encouraging just just poor a lack of gent- a gentleman, poor etiquette for how and rhetoric for how we just everything is just bad. I mean, I just can't even dress it up to say anything polite anymore, but my point is is how do the in, I'll be interested in seeing how the individuals who make up the demographics that he's talking about, how do you still vote for him, knowing that he has said what he said? knowing that he has made the statements in public and in private. So what bothers me is the, the conversation that was private, you know, now that it's made public. Why are you so offended now when you said the same things on the debate table? 
right. know what I mean? But now something that can't, because you know what is done in the dark always comes to the light. So now there's something that was in the dark is coming to the light. Now you have nothing to say. That's what bothers me and that's what concerns me. I don't advocate it. It's very hard. It grinds my ears to hear him speak. Um, I think the little comics that they have out there about him from Saturday Night Live are very funny. Um, I think it's extreme. I think it's on the edge and risque, but I think it's funny um, because sometimes the only way to get through people is through comedy and comedic yeah. relief. So mm-hmm. I think that um, we definitely need to hear what is being said and understand that it's not okay, and we need to be able to show everyone that we don't believe in that as the United States of America. Hopefully that's what we what we would do. I don't know. It seemed like the United States of America created the Donald Trumps, you know, the arrogance um, and that comes with power. That comes with a lot of guys like that. You know, they feel like they can mm-hmm. say and do whatever they choose. And yeah. Basically, uh, basically, and if you look at our history, a lot of powerful cats do get away with saying and doing pretty much whatever they choose. And then every now and then, you know, our system decide to make an example out of somebody, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's every now and again, not that often. Well, I'm just disappointed um, in the response that his wife made um, because she admitted that she, too, was offended. But then she's saying, well, I forgave him. And I get that they're married, so that's a whole different standpoint. But my question is now, how many times have you faced this before that you've just turned a blind eye to? And so, you know, she was abused too, remember? Exactly. I mean, you come on now. I mean, just listening to how he speaks about others, what do you think he's saying to her behind closed doors? Right. What do you, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm just one of those women. If I don't, if I don't agree, I'm not going to agree just because, you know, you're somebody X, Y, and Z to me. I think that she really, and I, I'm confident that maybe perhaps he has the right team around him who's tried to educate him and steer him in the right direction. I think he's just dogheaded, and I think that he just probably just does what he wants because he's gotten away with it. But if I were her and I were fly on the wall, it would be no way that I could be able to stand by him during this election process knowing that he is doing and saying some of the things that he said and done. I just couldn't stand by him. But that's me. You know, other people have different things that they're they're not willing to compromise and lose, and I understand that as well. But if it were me, I don't think that I could stand there and say, I co-sign, I endorse this man to be president of the United States under these situation circumstances because, again, if she's okay with what was said, even though she was offended, I know that she's turned a blind eye to many other things. Well, I I think that that was also well said, and I I think that I'm going to make a prediction tonight because I do that every once in a while on the show, and I I'm predicting that at some point, Melania is going to stand up and really tell the truth about what happened. It might be ten years from now, but. That is not a happy woman. I see her with him. I see her in situations. She's not happy. And I don't know how you could be a happy woman and be married to him. Right. It looks very forced. It looks very awkward, very forced. It doesn't look like, you know, I know that we should never look at anyone's relationship and judge, but we're assessing the team. And based upon our observations, it looks like it's very forced, very hostile. Very controlling, 
There is no freedom. There is no liberty. It, right. it just, to me, strikes me as being just, I hate this analogy, but it's the only one coming to my mind, a, a part of a pony show. That's yeah. what it is. Like, this is my beautiful mm-hmm. wife, and that's it. Now, you don't say anything else. Yeah. You don't talk about anything else. You just sit, smile, and nod, and I'll do all the rest. That's, that's, what, right. that's and, the perception I have. I have the same perception as you about her, and I think you. And because of that, I think you're brilliant. <laughs> but I think I think we don't know what the prenup says. Right. And he could have a prenuptial that says, you know, you lose millions of dollars if you badmouth me in public, kind of thing. I mean, he's mm-hmm. fully capable of that kind of agreement. But I I I think that it's very important that men and women talk about this out loud and say this kind of treatment of human beings is not okay Mm -hmm. it's not those are not good values that's not way we should treat people men or women and we can't support that and it just frightens me quite a bit that there is a certain portion of our american population that doesn't get that well, you know, if they never learned the lessons at home, we can't fault them because they're ignorant to what it should, what, what, it, you know, that's the thing. Morals, values, beliefs are all subjective. It's based on what someone else told you and what they taught you to believe is being acceptable and respectable and, and honorable, right? So we mm-hmm. can't fault them for what they don't know, but we can fault them for the things that they know and they don't do anything about it. That's where we can come in and say, you know what, you knew. Because it inevitably, whether or not we know for verbatim, we still have something in us that tells us the difference between right and wrong, what's okay and what's not okay. We still have that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I can't get upset with those who resonate with him. Um, again, I just think that the people who are part of the demographics that he's speaking to, um, I hope that they wake up and, and, and smell the coffee. Um, I'm from Indiana, and I'm not too impressed with the way that uh, Governor Pence has run things. Um, I'm mm. sure you guys have heard about it, how yeah. now, you know, and mind you, I'm a Christian woman, okay? I have no beef with anyone's personal choices. Those are your choices. I respect you for your choices. I just don't approve of it. But who am I, you know? But I don't think that it's right that if a person has a business, that they're not allowed to dine there or they can be kicked out. Mm-hmm. I just think that that's kind of antiquated. <laughs> you know, their mm-hmm. money spends just like our money spends. So whether their sexual preference is the same as ours or not, you know, I think when we start getting into that lane, I think that, you know, there can be all kind of corporal punishments per se. Oh, your your spouse is fat, you know, or, you know, just different things that don't really matter. You know what I mean? Like, but but then we can start telling people this is how it should be, and this is how it has to be. When we need to learn how to love one another for who we are, the way we are, despite our differences, we are still humans at the end of this day, and we have a right to have a quality of life to our discretion, to our choices, to whatever it is that we want to do. That's between us and the higher beings that be. But Mm -hmm. until we get to that place, we need to learn how to love people and stop shaming them and putting them down, condemning them, and humiliating them, and further scarring them in their life and in their walk and, and making them want to become disengaged instead of active and engaged. They're reactive because they're used to somebody always doing something to them. So I, I, that's, that's, that's just my feel. You know, I just don't 
I don't like it, and I hate it. I hate it with a passion because, to me, if we continue on this path, we are going to make our lives so counterproductive that things are going to go backwards to the way they used to be prior to the civil mm. rights movement and all of that. That's just my prediction based on what's happening. So so it's safe to say that you guys are not going to go patronize Donald Trump's finger-licking chicken for minorities. <laughs> why gotta be chicken? Let's just start the why gotta be chicken. <laughs> but no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't support Donald Trump. I barely went to his casino before it closed in my home my hometown of Gary, Indiana. So I, I'm I'm well aware, you know, that he is full of games and gimmicks and tricks and I mean most businessmen are, but you know. I I I, I would never, as long as I knew of it in advance, I would never put another dime in his pocket again, knowing all that I know about his business endeavors. Yeah, yeah I me better, too. I better stop, stop clowning about that finger-licking chicken tip because he might end up really <laughs> doing that. Well, he has what are you talking about, already? Lamont? Huh? What are you talking about? Donald Trump's finger-licking chicken for minorities. He has that. No, he didn't. I said I better stop playing and clowning about it before he really does it. Oh, okay. It does sound like something he would do, though. It was. <laughs> I, know, I know, huh? Yeah, he say, "See, see, black people love me." That's what he say. Yeah, see, see mm-hmm. they love me. And then look, you gotta oh, add God. this. Believe me, believe me. Black people love chicken. Believe me, it's the end of the I grew up eating fried chicken a couple of times a week in my life in South Me Carolina, too. so I think it's uh, it's something everybody likes. Mm-hmm. So, but I I think that um, it, it should it is really important that people pay pay attention to the kinds of things you're writing about and talking about, Alexis. And I think it's great that. Women speak up about it because other women will hear this in a different way than they would hear it said by a man. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really valuable that you're writing about this and that you're sharing your story and and that you're reaching out with such passion about it. And I'm hoping, you know, that Lamont's going to learn something from this conversation. <laughs> Well, thank you. And and I really, really hope that, you know, there is something that somebody took away from this because, again, it's time that we take control over our emotional health like we take care. Like me, I have to go get my nails done once a week. I have to, you know, I, I haven't mastered the whole eating the right way and working out thing, but I've done it before. And, you know, I understand how people are very serious about what they eat and how they take care of their physical body. So with that same sentiment, let's take care of our emotional health. Let's get the control oh, yeah. back, on, you know, uh-huh. on how people treat us, how right. we live our lives, how we spend our lives. Because at the end of the day, what you do with your time is a reflection of what you do with your life. And you don't want to spend 20 years in a relationship that didn't serve you when you can spend 20 years in a relationship that's going to be serving to you. So we need mm-hmm. to be mindful of that and just be serious about it. Well, you speak in a lot of places, and, and I'm wondering, do you, you have um, 
advice to give to women in particular if they're in a bad relationship right now? What What do you suggest uh, that they need the first couple of things they need to do to take better care of themselves? Absolutely. First recommendation would be to start a journal. Okay. I know it sounds corny to have a diary at 30-something years old, but have one. The reason why I'm suggesting that is because you need to document the things that are going on in your life so you can help identify the patterns. Mm. So you can start saying what made you feel that way, how it made you feel, and what did you think about it. Start talking to yourself. Now, if you don't feel comfortable with writing it out, you can always record it as a memo on your phone. Everybody has that nowadays. You can email yourself to a estranged email so no one knows or from an estranged to an estranged, however you want to do it. Start talking to yourself. Start thinking about it and processing because even if you come back a month later and read that entry, you will become angry again or you can see the Mm. growth and then you know that that's a problem. That way, if you do decide that you want to go get counseling, you know exactly what the issues are. You're not sitting up there wasting your money. You're not just rumbling on and everybody's lost. You know exactly what the issues are. So I would say start with that journal. Then I would say start building up a support system. If you don't have friends that you can't talk about with transparency and candidacy about what's going on in your life, those are not your friends. Find people that you can talk to and be vulnerable with willingly that you can cry on their shoulder, that they can listen to you, they can Mm -hmm. hear you, and they can provide adequate advice if you need it. But build your support system up so that you're comfortable with talking about what is happening so that you can devise a way of escape and plan your plan of action and leave. I I like the idea, everything you said, but I particularly like the idea of a journal because – it, when we write things down or we speak them into into our computers or whatever, when it's, when it's written and we see it, it, it validates us. It gives us a sense that we exist and that we can be heard. And I recommend that to my clients a lot, to have journals, because it's a very mm-hmm. powerful process of getting to know yourself. And as you said, you know, you come back to it. I have journals. I found a journal not too long ago that uh, – I wrote, let's see, 1973. Wow. And that's when I first started it. And wow. it was amazing. Um, I had a whole year of taking notes throughout the year, not every single day, but often it's a, it's a, it's a full journal with notes in it from 73. And I've got probably, I don't know, 20 more that I've done over the years. And mm-hmm. I think it's a powerful way of getting to know yourself. And I recommend it to clients, men and women, often. I think if a person is in an abusive relationship, they they should be careful about where they leave it. They need to Absolutely. protect their privacy because mm-hmm. it can Absolutely. cause problems. We need we need a safe place, and that can right. be a safe place to share our feelings as long as no one else has access to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right that 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 I commend you for still having that journal because I know that my journal that I have currently goes back to 2010. And, you know, I I basically revisit that to write my book because when I was, like, confused about some details, I said, let me go read, let me go research what Mm -hmm. really happened. Because, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. when you get over things, you romanticize things and you you create a different picture than what it was. Uh So 
I actually was angry. I actually cried. I dug up a journal that I had from 2008, and I consulted it. So, you know, I definitely wanted to make sure that I was real and I was vulnerable, and I I didn't want the book to become um, a glamorized story. I wanted it to be real. And many people who have read it have said, you know, I had to put it down. I got mad. Can't listen to Mary J. Blige while I'm reading this, you know, because, I, you know, I, 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 I angered them. But that's good because I want you to understand who I am. And I mm-hmm. want you to understand where I've been and understand that if it was a difference between being naive and stupid, I was neither one. I was afraid. I didn't have, I didn't have resources. I didn't have choices that were better if I had right. them, I would have done them, absolutely. But I definitely love the journal thing, and I definitely recommend if you are in a domestic violence situation, please do not leave it around anywhere where it's easily accessible. Put it somewhere in private that will be kept private. Um, I don't know where that place will be for you, but you will have to determine that. And But just definitely, definitely start your journal today. Right. Matt, right. Matthew, we're down to the last couple minutes of the show. We're going to let Alexis tell all our listeners where they can reach her. I am on the web at AlexisNicoleWhite.com. I am on Facebook at AlexisNicoleWhite, at Google Plus at AlexisNicoleWhite, Twitter at I am Miss Alexis, as well as Instagram and Snapchat at I am Miss Alexis. Hmm. Also, everybody will be able to listen to this show. will be archived within minutes after we finished today, and uh, Alexis, anybody in your system or anybody who knows somebody who wants to listen to it, they just need to uh, to click on it, and it'll be there, and uh, for everybody to listen to, probably until Lamont is 100 years old. <laughs> Before you go, Alexis, got got a minute and a half. I, where did the cupboard come from? What what made you do that? Real quick, if you can tell me. I know the cupboard. I know a lot of stuff comes under that, but I wanted mm-hmm. to ask that earlier. I'm sorry. Well, the cupboard is um, number one. We wear a mask and we pretend to be someone that we're not. So it's uncovering the covering. It is uncovering emotional abuse. It is uncovering the stigma. It is uncovering this ideal and belief that a lot of people, as as I did, as a Christian woman, that we feel like we have to cover up our emotions and and dress up nice to be who we are, and that's just not the truth, Mm. and I'm dispelling it. Good for you. Good for you. Fantastic. We definitely want to thank you again. From Canada Play at Play, and we definitely enjoyed having you on the show. And hopefully, sometime in the future, we can have you to come back. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Alexis. Really God bless you. Time. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you as well. Yeah, yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleep but a drink. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work don't eat. Slackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah. Jesus said he who puts his hands to the plow looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the church just five minutes and you're about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. If you died for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that makes you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep. 
Some of y'all ain't saw nothing but you started trying to reach her. But after him who was able to possess your father by his glory, struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is this was prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. Don't stop. I know we can make 